0: Welcome into to another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. It's a short week, so it's a little bit of a shorter podcast. But you know what? It's a big game. Texans open up the 2020 NFL season up at Arrowhead Stadium against the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been talking about it all week from the Texans' perspective. But let's go a little bit deeper and look at it from the Chiefs' perspective. I've got Joshua Briscoe, someone who I've talked to several times over the last few years, Uh, He works for Sports Radio 810. He writes for The Athletic. He does stuff for SI.com. And uh, Joshua is my guest this week as we talk about the Chiefs and what their off-seasons look like. They've had a number of shakeups due to the COVID-19 opt-outs and protocols. We'll get into that. What the Chiefs are going to do in their place and uh, what are they going to do about this Texans speedy, speedy offense that's going to be out there making its debut on Thursday night. But first... On a segment I like to call Enemy Sidelines, you'll be hearing it every single week as we go in-depth with opposing team reporters. Here he is, right here on the Deep Slant Podcast. He covers the Chiefs for Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, also with Sports Illustrated, as you can see there, and The Athletic. He's a busy, busy man, going to do the post-game show as well for the Chiefs and the Texans. Joshua. I mean, nothing's changed since the last time we spoke, right?
1: (laughs) Almost nothing. The only difference is that we can see each other this time, which is wild. Um, Really, I think the, the world's pretty much in the exact same place as it was whenever we were talking during the playoffs. And I imagine there's a pretty good chance we'll do this again in a few months. Everything will probably be the same then also.
0: We were talking about how this is going to be a rivalry probably for years to come. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, both these guys get their big contracts. So they're locked up with their teams for the foreseeable future. Well, let's just talk about Kansas City right now. I know there's a lot of excitement across the NFL, especially in Houston, that these two teams are going to give the entire world their first glimpse of NFL football in a post pandemic or uh, during pandemic world. That is what's the buzz like in Kansas City? Obviously, a lot to be excited about with the uh, contending Super Bowl champions. But, you know, what's it like in Casey getting to kick off the season here against Houston?
1: it's both like electric and a little bit dazed because i I imagine you guys feel this also it feels like football is both late and early right now like it feels like we've been waiting on this for months and months and months and months but with no preseason and all of that it it feels like we kind of skipped some steps and training camp was obviously very different i wasn't in saint joe for a month this year like all of that was is really strange but man it's so exciting. It's so much fun. And we've had, you know, they, they got their rings a little while ago. We've had these sort of different, again, very strange distanced things. Basically, the, the, the Super Bowl parade happened here in Kansas City, and then things started closing down around the country and, and around the world, really. But, but we've had these little kind of celebrations, mini ones here and there. Uh, we'll have the, the banner happening, obviously, Thursday night but it's just it's exciting to have a football game and for all the conversations we've had so many times this offseason about what's it going to look like we can stop asking that question we can actually see it and personally i think this this goes for most of the city i'm really glad that it's against the texans because they're they're a very interesting team that gets you it gets you the quarterback battle you love an opening night quarterback battle
0: yeah you absolutely do and it's the next generation of quarterbacks i know for the texans they love to to sort of wash that bad taste out of their mouth, how mm. the 2019 season ended to get right back at it and face the Chiefs. But when this whole thing started with COVID, I know one of the first bits of news were all the players that were opting out uh, because of COVID-19 concerns. And, and the Chiefs definitely were one of those teams. They've lost a few starters out there. Can you talk about that, how they have addressed that? One is obviously their offensive lineman who went back and wanted to, to help treat COVID patients and then running back Damian Williams. How how has the team sort of managed the loss of, of two big players like that and, and some of the others?
1: This is going to be very strange to talk about kind of as like bluntly as I want to, because it's not an insult to either of those guys. Um, and certainly, Laurent DuVernay Tardif staying in Canada to continue fighting COVID as a doctor is like the most admirable possible reason to opt out of anything. Damien Williams is going and, and being with his sick mother right now. Like they had excellent reasons. And The Chiefs are going to be fine. They brought in Kelechi Ossimile, the former uh, uh, Jets offensive lineman, most recently spent some time there. It didn't really work out. That's okay. Spent better years with the Raiders and the Ravens before that. He's going to step in at left guard. He's going to kick uh, the the previous left guard, Andrew Wiley, to the right side, which all of that got shuffled a little bit last year. You can take my word for it, though. Ossimile's going to play left guard. Wiley's going to play right guard. The offensive line's going to be just fine. And they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round of the draft before Damian Williams opted out. Daryl Williams is going to be the number two running back this year they like him a lot I like him a lot so really with those opt outs being like you know real players real starters guys that do impact this team they've got guys ready to step up in both of those spots that I actually think in both instances will likely be a little bit of an upgrade over the guys they had there previously so it's really weird it's kind of an awkward balance there. Obviously, also, Damian Williams had huge moments in the playoffs. LDT has been wonderful to have around, and I hope to see them both back here in 2021, but the Chiefs will be just fine in 2020.
0: All right, let's talk about this crazy offseason, because it seems like rookies are going to be at a bit of a disadvantage. No preseason games, no rookie uh, mini camp, no offseason training program. It seems like it's going to be the year of the veterans, at least according to head coach Bill O'Brien. That's That's what it seems like. So the Chiefs, what is their attitude or their expectation for a rookie like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming in and and playing such a big role on such a big stage?
1: So, I mean, it's a great question. And that's actually been kind of the big question of this week so far is like, hey, is Clyde going to be ready? And and I think the answer generally has been a resounding, yeah, he'll be ready. He had huge stages in college, obviously, at LSU. And and so the pressure of, of bright lights won't be new to him. The environments are going to be weird because they're opening at home, but with like a few thousand fans as opposed to sixty to 70,000 fans. It'll be strange and it'll be a challenge for rookies all across the the league. Absolutely. But the, the reports we've gotten out of camp and even the little things that you've gotten, and I know you know how this game works sometimes. Whenever this reporter says this thing, You know where that comes from, and it means that the coaches are excited about a certain player. Patrick Mahomes got a lot of those things whenever he was about to take the reins for this team. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gotten a lot of that similar hype from similar very, very trustworthy sources. That makes me think that within the building, the Chiefs are pretty confident that he'll be absolutely good to go.
0: All right, well, let's get to our next-gen stat powered by AWS. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in passing touchdowns since 2018 with 76. He's ahead of Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, uh, Kirk Cousins. So here's Patrick Mahomes, year four, coming off the heels of a Super Bowl championship contract extension. How does he get better this year? What is it that he wants to work on? Can he get better this year?
1: I love this question so much because the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, last year, he had an ankle injury in the first game of the season that bothered him until he had his kneecap dislocated in that horrible moment against the Broncos later in the year. They took some time off. He was dealing with that ankle up until his knee, and then he was dealing with the knee for a while. And then we finally saw like a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes at the tail end of the regular season and in the playoffs. So he's just going to be healthier this year, I guess, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, but beyond that, he's talked many times over about how much he still feels like he has to learn in terms of reading defenses and, and not just like recognizing them obviously but being able to read them on the fly it's, it's the pre-snap reads and then it's reading what happens in the milliseconds after that because because Andy Reid's offense is so packed full with reactions to the reactions that end up putting the Chiefs offense ahead here's here's sort of a way that I would I've tried to urge people to think about it Andy Reid has been a head coach for over 20 years in the NFL there's no chance Patrick Mahomes has all of that information transferred to him yet. It's just impossible. And Andy Reid is always evolving also. So I think we're going to see this offense and Mahomes, to some extent Andy Reid, all continue to grow this year.
0: All right, you mentioned how one guy that the Texans did not have to see last year, fortunately for them, Chris Jones on that D-line. So let's talk about Chris Jones now paired with Frank Clark because he sort of got thrown into the mix last year, but he's been with the Chiefs now a full season. So how much better does that defensive front get with those two um, out there on the field together? What have you seen from them so far in camp?
1: It's it's an absolutely excellent duo, and I'm so glad they got the long-term deal done with, Frank, with, uh, with Chris Jones this year ahead of the franchise tag deadline because I think those two guys together become such a headache for opposing offenses to have to deal with because you can't just focus on one of them. Now, I, I've said this a few times now, Tyron Matthew may have been the most important player on this chiefs defense last year. They had so much to fix. From a mindset standpoint, Steve Spagnuolo comes in and helps them re, re, totally restructure this defense. But Chris Jones is the best player on this defense, in my mind. And Frank Clark might have an argument for second. I, I might lean towards Matthew there. It's all semantics, right? But Chris Jones is truly that level of excellent. Like, if you give me interior pass rushers across the league, and you don't you don't include Aaron Donald because he's a cyborg that trains with, like, knives on his hands and stuff. Like, that's not even a joke. That's a real thing that he does. He's, he's in the class of his own. Chris Jones is the next guy for me, though. And then having a defensive end like Frank Clark, who's also getting healthier. He had a pinched nerve at the beginning of last season. He was dealing with a stomach issue over the course of last season. Having both of them, again, theoretically healthy this year, I think we're going to see the defense look more like it did in the second half of the year when it was a legit top 10 defense over the course of the uh, the second half of the season and throughout the playoffs.
0: I know one of the big storylines for that defense is the secondary, Bashad Breeland serving the four-game suspension. so. The Texans won't have to face him. What do the Kansas City Chiefs have to say about facing a Texans wide receiver core that's just so fast out there? Who's going to step up in Breland's place?
1: Well, it's funny, kind of to the first thing there. First, uh, Steve Spagnuolo talked about that this week and he said, well, obviously they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but it, it may or may not be a good thing. I think it's good for the Chiefs. They don't have to deal with Hopkins, but from Spags's perspective, he was saying, we don't know who they're going to be going to. It's not like there's a, a go-to guy that's, that's absolutely like number one with a bullet, which is, I think, who they'd like to see Travarius Ward matched up with against. He was obviously a starter last year. In Breland's space." It's a great question that I've been asking, and I've been trying to get answers to it. I've been trying to figure it out on my own. I'll just throw some names at you. Rashad Fenton, uh, a late-round draft pick last year going into his second year. I think he's going to keep getting some snaps, probably mostly in the slot. He could start outside, though, and then kick into the slot whenever they have three corners out there, which will be the majority of the time. Legarius Sneed, uh, a mid-round draft pick this year. I just don't know if he's ready. He's got the speed to keep up with the Texans receivers, but I don't know if he's an NFL corner right now. Antonio Hamilton is kind of a career special teamer who's gotten a lot of snaps in a lot of different places in this chief's defense over the course of training camp. But like, those are three names that I just threw at you. And if you told me that any of them had the most snaps in Breland's absence, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's probably Fenton in base packages. He kicks into the slot and then I guess Snead or Hamilton could could step in after that. But the Texans are going to have a chance, no matter what, to pick on a guy that does not have much or any NFL experience. And seeing how the Chiefs will deal with that, I think will be really, really interesting.
0: All right. Well, one name everybody knows for certain that uh, is always out there making big plays, Travis Kelsey, obviously covering him. I think I ask you about him every single year. Yeah. What makes him so tough to cover? How do you cover a guy like that? And the Texans have been sort of battling with that as well over the past few years now with Kelsey I've seen him on the injury report what can you tell us about his status is that just Kelsey being Kelsey because it seems like he's always dealing with something but when it's game time he's, he's always out there ready to play
1: yeah he, he's limited in practice with being a veteran tight end that's what he's limited with at this point so no no real concerns there on the injury front he'll he'll practice whenever he needs to practice and he'll be absolutely ready to go at game time and to the to the question of why is he so hard to cover Like it's a fact at this point that I don't even know how to break it down. He's too fast for for linebackers. He's too big for defensive backs, and so you have to kind of pay double attention to him. But the reason that he becomes even more dangerous in this offense is because of the weapons outside of him: Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, even DeMarcus Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now you eventually have to pick guys that you're not going to double, and in some cases, pick guys that you're not going to pay much attention to at all. And eventually, that's probably going to be the guy that bites you as defense. So um, that, that whole cocktail there of all the weapons the Chiefs have with Travis Kelsey being someone you just have to pay that kind of attention to, it, it's just another one of the things that makes this offense so, so difficult for opposing defensive coordinators and defenses altogether.
0: All right, Joshua, you've covered this team. So let me ask you, in 2020, this first game, who is it that you're really looking forward to seeing out there on the field with the Chiefs?
1: I'm excited for McCole Hardman, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even fully ready to like tell everyone that they need to go get him in fantasy. If you still have a draft left, you're going to try to get a trade in before the game starts. But I'm really excited to see what he does in his second year in this offense. He has an incredible skill set. He, he's going to be one of the fastest guys on the field with a team that has Tyreek Hill, a team that has Will Fuller. Like He's going to be on a similar plane of speed. But I mentioned how complicated Andy Reid's offense is. That was a big learning curve for him to stay up with last year. And so I'm really excited to see what he looks like. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he had like a huge week one and, and just it was bombs away because he has the trust of, of Mahomes and Reed now. It also wouldn't surprise me if he has a second like slow start. But that's the one name aside from the obvious ones. I want to see Patrick Mahomes play football again. I want to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I want to see Willie Gay on the defensive side. McCole Hardman for me is kind of the sleeper that I'm excited about.
0: I'm excited to see football too, even if it is just a smattering of fans at Arrowhead stadium, it'll be great to be covering real games and covering real plays with real scores that are happening right now. Joshua, always a pleasure. Joshua Briscoe, you can catch him on sports radio, 810, or the athletic or sports illustrated. He's a busy, busy guy. We thank you so much for the time, Joshua. And, absolutely. Uh, we'll I'll see talk you in
1: January. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Josh. All right. Looking forward to the matchup and it's one that, uh, Hey, hopefully we see many, many more times, especially in the postseason, because that means that the Texans are in it and the Chiefs are in it. And you know what? If uh, if we see it every single year from now on, it would not be a bad thing because we love seeing Mahomes, we love seeing Watson and those two, what they're able to do on the field. The next generation of quarterbacks as well as this defense Uh, that's got a lot of new players out there on the field. Can't wait to see what they put out there. And you know what? If you want to follow along, you can, of course, always check out HoustonTexans.com. I personally would download the mobile app because then you get all the alerts and all the stories and highlights, things that pop up during the game. Uh, You want to be the first to check those out on HoustonTexans.com. Game day central. And before the game. We will take you directly to Arrowhead Stadium on the field as the players are warming up. Who's in? Who's out for Thursday night's lineup? Drew Doherty and I will bring those to you on Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. We will check in with Mark Vandermeer. We will check in with John Harris. We will give you a full picture of the Texans' Week 1 matchup at Kansas City. You don't want to miss it. So you can do that on Facebook. You can also download the mobile app and you'll get an alert when we go live. So we'll check in maybe about an hour before kickoff, and we'll take you directly to the field and uh, show you stuff that you will not even see on NBC um, when the game is broadcast there. But you know what? You can check out NBC for the game when it kicks off at 7.20, and also be sure to listen on Sports Radio 610. So that's going to do it for our short little podcast on this short little game week. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Texans.